I am thrilled to have a conversation with former state senator Kevin Lundberg. He was a member of the Joint Budget Committee, so he uh, he is a go-to guy to try to understand uh, some of these things that they're percolating out there, Senator Kevin Lundberg. Uh, that uh, I think that I think there's going to be a real assault to try to get rid of Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. So thank you for joining us this morning. Well, I'm very glad to be with you, and and Kim, I think you summed it up very, very well in your little teaser before that uh, break, which says that politicians are looking to get their hand in your pocket for more (laughs) of your money for what they want, because, you know, we've got Gallagher, which is a limitation on uh, property taxes, and it's kind of a complicated, well, it's not really complicated, but it complicates things. Uh, in that Gallagher says that there should always be a balance in the total amount of money collected between commercial property and and residential property, and it sets it at a 45% residential, 55% commercial property level. So uh, um, what this, in, in essence, does is as more and more residential pro- properties are built, more houses are built in Colorado, um, that 45% of the total property taxes collected is spread thinner and thinner. And that lowers uh, the, uh, the the tax rate on the, um, well, doesn't lower the taxes, understand, because, they, you know, well, with new bond programs and everything else, uh, they figure out ways to, you know, to keep collecting a lot of money. But, but the relative amount uh, continues to go down in, in what they call the, the assessed valuation. So your house is assessed for, let's say, $200,000 worth of value. But the assessment uh, for the tax bill is only against about 7% of that, mm-hmm. $14,000. Um, whereas with commercial property, it's at 29.5%, which is like four times, over four times as much. Uh, so when they talk about uh, getting rid of Gallagher, you know, they'll point to, the excessive amount of tax for commercial property, but be very careful because rarely will they ever talk about lowering that rate. They'll talk about raising your residential rate. So that's Gallagher. Okay. Now, a anyway, couple of you, things. You, you drive it from there. Okay. So first of all, with the Gallagher Amendment, uh, and I'll tell you, last night, uh, I, I'm working to try to get through all of these things, and I thought I could just Google mm-hmm. Colorado Gallagher Amendment, and I could get the actual language. I, I, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. And it was the same with Tabor and Ref C and Amendment 23. So Patty went to work on it. And uh, I have the actual taxpayers' bill of rights language here. And I've got the ballot question mm-hmm. on referendum C and the brief overview from the Colorado General Assembly on uh, Amendment 23. But I found actually Senator Lumberg. I'd like to have the, the real thing right here in front of me. So, so I don't have Gallagher yet. But the first thing is, is that that constitutional amendment that says that commercial pays uh, 55% of the uh, property tax and residential pays 45%. That hasn't changed, right? Commercial still doing 55, residential still 45, right? Uh, essentially, yes. And, and as I say, what, what that is, is initially they locked it in at uh, 29.5% and then residential as more and more houses were built. Uh, the assessed value dropped, and now we have this huge disparity. Yeah. Okay, so the disparity is the thing that politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties are using 
to um, to try to to I, they really want to change Gallagher, but I think that ultimately they want to get rid of Tabor is we where we might be headed. But so I, I still want to break oh, yeah. w- yeah. want to break this out now on commercial property. As as we get more and more commercial property, uh, that in effect also would bring down the the actual tax bill of the person that owns the commercial property. Correct. If you were having more and more commercial property, come on. Not really, okay. because it's locked at the assessed valuation of 29.5. I understand that there are a lot of other factors when it comes to property taxes. Property taxes are collected locally for local taxing districts. It doesn't directly go to the state's general fund. That They're only uh, affected because the general fund backfills um, the school districts for a guaranteed amount of per pupil funding, and and uh, and so when when local property tax collections go up, then the state has less dollars that they have to uh, uh, backfill with, and that's where it kind of interfaces with the Tabor thing. But but I I bring this in to say that every time uh, uh, you vote on a bond um, measure in any local taxing district you're in, like a school district or a, or a you know, a, a sewage control district or, or a fire district or a library district, that's added to your property tax. And all of those things kind of compound it to to make sure that, that a whole lot of dollars are collected. And, and I, I like to boil it down to this. When I'm in, in a crowd, I, I say, how many people think their property tax bill for their house is too low? <laughs> I get very few takers, uh-huh. and and that's kind of the bottom line. Um, if property taxes at a level that it's virtually char- rent being charged on your own property from the state, I say that's high enough. And any change I want to see to to uh, Gallagher would not raise the rates, but that's what they always do. If if even for a little incremental bit, they just cannot resist saying, "And we're going to raise your property tax." Okay. Um, okay. I've tried to find solutions for Gallagher by just finding other dollars to backfill the commercial side. Well, you know what I was thinking because I've been thinking a lot about this while I was thinking about the conversation that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Something that people don't understand out there is not only do businesses pay property tax on that building, but they also have something called business personal property tax. And so what that means is that little mom and pop... Yeah, yeah uh, on, on all of their equipment. Yeah, they're on their, uh, their uh, ovens and on their chairs and on their tables. So if, in yeah. fact, these politicians and bureaucrats or interest parties are so concerned about the tax burden of commercial property, which that's kind of what they're implying, um, how about mm-hmm. maybe we get rid of that business personal property tax? That would be a way to give commercial businesses tax relief. Well, that is so, and particularly the small businesses. Um, yeah, I mean, it affects all businesses, believe me. But but the the you know the person who gets into business and goes out and buys their tools and everything else, and then realizes, wait, I've I've got to continually pay a tax on this this equipment that I bought, and I paid sales tax right. on it, but I I get to you know get taxed again and again and again. Um, that's that's another problem. Now, there has been some relief. Uh, it was actually uh, former Senator Mark Scheffel who really took that on when he got in the legislature, the business personal property tax, and, and others have as well. 
But what they've done is 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 they've made a a a lower standard. So if you've only got I, I don't know what the number is, I think about ten thousand dollars worth of equipment, then you're not subject to that tax. But <clears throat> um, uh, but you're right. Business personal property tax is somewhat unique to Colorado. Not an, I'm not if uh, if any other states have it's very few, uh, and it really comes to bite uh, businesses. Um, the CEO for Kodak once commented that had Kodak really understood the business personal property tax in Colorado, they would have never come to the state, and that actually keeps uh, a lot of uh, industry out of Colorado because they're all taxed on all their equipment at a pretty high rate. Well, and to that point, uh, it goes over to economic development, which, uh, you know, under the name of economic development, you know, the state has an economic development um, um, uh, office, I guess it is, and many of the counties do, many of the states. And so basically what they do is they say, hey, we're going to bring in jobs. We're going to bring in these businesses. This will be good because we'll bring in more jobs, businesses, you know, keep uh, uh, property values up. Mm-hmm. But in essence, and so they make deals, and they typically make deals with the big guys, and sometimes they give them a break on their business personal property tax, while the little guy over there, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, you know, just just doing, you know, making the pizzas and, and have their own little business, they're probably working 14, 16 hours a day, they're supporting their community, yep. and so then you see the big guys are getting breaks on this, which... You know, in America, everybody is supposed to be equal under the law. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Yeah, well, you've got a great point, and, man, we could spend an entire program on that aspect as well. That that kicks in with what's called tax increment financing, where a lot of development projects will uh, will get to keep a lot of the taxes they collect uh, or the taxes they would have paid in property taxes for the development of the project. And, and this sometimes amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars for a single project. And, and yeah, you know, go on and on. I, I feel like I'm leaving the rest of it behind, though. It, it, it does get complicated. You know, if I could boil it down to simply say, whenever there is a discussion on changing Gallagher, make sure that what they're really intending on doing is giving tax relief, not... And we're going to raise your taxes a little bit. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when the state, back in the Roy, Roy Romer governor days, um, the the state um, went to a flat tax. And I was rather surprised that the Democrats, like Romer, went along with it. Well, years later, figured out that that's because when we went from a graduated income tax to a flat tax, they, they changed it so that they were collecting about 10% more Income tax. <laughs> Aha! But at least, but and the, so they were quite willing to go along with that. Yeah, but but the great thing about it is, and as Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management said before we went to break, that this is a relatively low tax rate, and uh, in order to increase that, Tabor stands in the way, and that's one of the reasons why I think there's an assault on Tabor. So, Senator Lundberg, let's go to break. We I think we could continue with Gallagher, but I think you really finally got it for me. When we have this conversation, are you going to be working towards tax relief for our commercial properties, or are you trying to raise taxes 
on individual property owners. And again, yes. that's such that. Thank you for getting that boiled down. We still want to get through just kind of an overview of a Tabor. We talk a lot about Tabor Taxpayers Bill of Rights, but Referendum C and Amendment Twenty Three as well. So we're going to go to break. We'll uh, this will be kind of like speed issues here when we come back. But we'll be right back with Senator Kevin Lumberg. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritics with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation, having a really important conversation with former state senator Kevin Lundberg. He was on the Joint Budget Committee, and so he's he's a go-to guy. He understands these issues. I, I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. I, I That's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. It shouldn't happen. I mean, my gosh, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are, are just in a little booklet. So I don't think we should have <laughs> things that people can't understand. But uh, that's a different point. Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, we talk about that a lot. We've got a lot of uh, opinion pieces on my website written by different people about it. But just very quickly, uh, just touch on uh, Tabor just a little bit, Senator Lumberg. Well, yeah, it was uh, passed back in 92, so it's been in place for a good long while. It does two major things. It limits how much money the state can keep, uh, and uh, and then if they collect more in revenue, they're supposed to return it to the people. And number two, there's a requirement that for any tax increase or long-term debt increase, you have to go to the people for a vote, and that's either for statewide or for individual districts um and that could be a school district a county uh you know any any jurisdiction within the state those are the two main elements to tabor um and the uh, uh now a lot of local districts and tabor does allow this allows a, a district to go to the people and say can we <clears throat> excuse me can we keep the money anyway um Will you give us uh, uh, the ability to what they generally call debrucing or uh, de-tabering, is what the author, Douglas Bruce, would prefer we call it. Um, and uh, and now the legislature has put a question before the people statewide, can we just get rid of this whole thing of... Uh, of, um, uh, of Having to give you your money back? Money we can collect? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... And so that's called Proposition CC, and it's on the November ballot for this year. And it, it, it says without raising taxes, we're going to raise, you know, can we have more money for schools and for transportation? It sounds so rosy, but it ought to say by raising your uh, effective tax rate, because that's what it does mm-hmm. if it, if it uh, says they'll never return any, any of the uh, excess. Oh, and the excess is limited to the, uh, the, the spending is, is limited to uh, what you spent last year, plus population growth, plus inflation growth. <clears throat> so, so it's pretty it, generous. It's meant to, well, it's meant to help government keep up with the pace of inflation and the number of people out there. What it doesn't account for is the um, growth in the economy. If the economy booms more and more, now government becomes a smaller and smaller part well, of which the I like. economy. But that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. You know, they say this is a bad thing. Government needs to grow as much as the economy. No, it doesn't. It needs to grow as much as the, the, the current services rendered to the public on a per capita basis are. And, and if you do more than that, 
you really like big governments and you like to put more programs in place and you think liberty is not as important as the convenience of government services. Boy, could I say a lot about that's a bad idea. But that's what people... Yeah, so if somebody says, we've got to change Tabor, what they're really saying to you is, I want more of your money for our government programs because we think we know how to run your life better than you do. And uh, most people, if you ask them, they say, no, I don't think I agree with that. And uh, that's why they don't want to ask us. Now, one note on the debrucing or the detabering of all these uh, you know, local mm-hmm. districts. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. It wasn't that they came to people and it was just one ballot question that says, hey, can we keep this excess revenue? Typically what they would do is, uh, for example, I saw this on uh, our local park and rec district. They were asking for, for a tax increase. But in that language, uh, deep into the ballot question, there was that detabering, if you will. And I thought, this is pretty stinky. You know what? You've just snuck, snuck it in there. People may not be reading it. They may not understand it. They're trusting that they think that they're voting on that top-line question. And then deep, deep mm-hmm. in there is this question, and can we keep your, your tax refunds? And so I vote no. You know, when I ever see that, I always vote no. Yeah. You have an excellent point there. And, and I remember up here in Larimer County at one point, they, they, you know, a commissioner came to me who was supposedly conservative and said, you know, we've just got to have some more money to address this issue and this issue, and so we're going to go to the board of people. And I said, well, I could maybe support that, except for the fact that you're not just doing that. You're saying, can we keep it forever? Yes. You know, and, and, and just take it away. Uh, I think that's a flaw within Tabor. Tabor should have said very specifically, if you need more money for a specific project, then you can go to the people and say, well, can we have an exception to this rule? But instead, the way it's worded, they've, 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 uh, they've you know, put it together in such a way that, that the spending limitations just go away. And we had, um, in, at the state level, they had uh, referendum C about it 10 years ago mm-hmm, or so. Mm-hmm. That Well, more like a dozen years ago. 2005, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that said, uh, uh, can we take a five-year time out from the spending limitations? Now, they didn't tell you that within that was this, and we're going to increase the base so we can collect a billion more dollars from you than we would have without it forever. Mm-hmm. And now CC, Proposition CC, says, and by the way, let's just forget about the spending limitations entirely. We're just going to keep the money forever. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, CC's cousin, cousin of referendum C. So very quickly, yeah. the other thing that is out there when they're having these conversations is Amendment 23. And uh, this, right. uh, let's see, Amendment 23, I have a overview of uh, February 2001, but you were the first one that really explained to me, because I've heard Amendment 23 all the time, you said it was for 10 years. And I'm looking at it, and it says it was for 10 years. (laughs) So why are we even talking about it? Uh, Well, um, it has some provisions that that continue on, but they are the ones that have the real teeth to it. So when they throw out, oh, it's so complicated, we've got Gallagher and 23 and Tabor and I'm like, okay, but let's clear the deck here because 23 really isn't a factor. 23 requires that per-pupil funding for public schools increase by inflation, and that's it. It it was inflation plus 1%, which was the real budget buster for 10 years. But uh, And it it set up the state education fund and a few other things that that are really fairly benign as far as how it affects. It did have an end around around Tabor, 
Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get into all the details, but but the real teeth of 23 is done. It it is no longer raising per pupil funding at a inflation plus one percent level, uh, and so I think they're just they're just throwing some fog into the discussion, or they don't understand it. And don't put it past any politician for having not understood it fully. I, I was amazed. I mean, I went several years hearing all this discussion and debate about 23 and thinking, oh, you know, wringing my hands on this problem, that problem. Finally, I sat down and read it. It's about three pages long. And it takes careful, careful reading. But I looked at it and I thought, okay, here's the problem, but the others aren't really a problem. So let's stop making it a big bugaboo, you know, and, and let's let's admit Gallagher has this disparity that's put in place. Okay. But Tabor is the one that is the real gem, and I use that in a very real sense of, of our Constitution, because it was the first state to say we are going to put some strict limits on how fast the, the government can grow on their own, and uh, that means the legislature and the governor. Yes, we elect them, but once we elect them, they just had carte blanche to do what they wanted until Tabor came along and said, whoa, no, 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 you've got to live within your means, and your means are what you've been doing last year. Right. Um, and just yeah. one other note, I think we need to get you back and talk about some of these other things. They've been doing in-runs around Tabor, which has been disingenuous oh, by my, redefining yeah. fees, uh, ta- taxes as fees, and a variety of things. But we are just about out of time. Senator Lundberg, uh, final thought for our listeners this morning. I'm going to go back to what you said originally, and that is whenever you hear this discussion from the uh, political establishment, listen very carefully to do they want more of their money or are they really trying to set something up that balances it a little bit more? Because there's some weird wrinkles in it, but, but if, they, if they say, and then we're going to raise taxes, or if then that's what they're going to do, don't let them do it. Well, that's for sure. So, Senator uh, Kevin Lundberg, thank you so much. Uh, and we're going to continue this discussion because they're ramping up. And ultimately, what's in the crosshairs is uh, what's left of Tabor so far. That's the Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, and we need to stand. And on that note, uh, thank you, Senator Lundberg. Um, um, Natalie Minton has uh, put together a Tabor boot camp, and for more information, go to that. It's at coloradoengage.com. The boot camp is going to be on August 3rd from 11 to 2 at the Lakewood Library, so be sure and check that out. That is coloradoengage.com.